James Orr has had to buy his wife a miniature poodle to stop her moaning about his football. But now he's looking forward to letting his Cumbernauld Colts side off the leash in the Lowland League this season. James joins us on the show this week and gives us the lowdown on things at Broadwood. We hear about his sleepless nights as their Scottish Cup clash with Huntley was called off three times. This is views on the old firm Colt teams joining the division. He looks back on his playing days when Eddie Hunter once dropped him at Queen's Park because his hair was too long. Plus does Roach's roundup with Kilburnie Laidside assistant boss Des Roach. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, what a weekend for New Mains United, Paul. Uh, six nil winners against Royal Albert and a second hat-trick in two weeks for Chris Jarvie. Yeah, super. We obviously brought Chris in, uh, 41, 42 years old, uh, and he's been absolutely fantastic for us. What a saying he's been. Uh, the standards he sets in training, his commitment, uh, he's, believe it or not, he's actually going to uh, the Scotland-England game this week and travelling back up Saturday morning, so in time for the game. So, you know, absolutely fantastic. The rest of the team were brilliant. It was just a performance that, first half, the wind affected the game a little bit. Come in at half-time, thought we should have done a bit more, thought we should have got a penalty, we were winning now up. And then the second half, they went out and just, you know, played free-flowing football. And uh, credit to, to Royal Albert, because I know they took a, a year out last year and maybe lost one or two players. And probably at that rebuilding stage again, but taking nothing away from our players, it was fantastic. And this wee breathing space cup has been really quite successful. So we're sitting now second in, in, the, in the group, uh, a point behind Bells Hill. Bills will play Kaluka on Thursday night and we play Les Mahego on Saturday. So hopefully we could take it into the final week and uh, it'll be a, you know, prove that the competition's been a success and hopefully, uh, you know, your local rivals will, will see kind of how far maybe New Mains has come over the last sort of 12 months. Superb. Well, we'll hear how the Les Mahego game goes uh, next week. Um just a quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers, and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organization, or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal, and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com, and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm David Gormley, manager at Rossville Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Cumbernauld Colts boss James Orr is with us this week. Thanks for being with us, James. Thanks for having us. We'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down. 
then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Over to you this week, Paul, with the clues. So, we were formed in 2013 as part of a merger of two clubs. James has got his pen out here. James has taken this seriously. It's a contest. One of the form teams won the East of Scotland League eight times and finished up runners up on seven occasions. They also won the East of Scotland Qualifying Cup on ten occasions. And they play in red and black. Some puzzled, puzzled faces there. Obviously, this is James's speciality, having managed through there. He's got a grin in his face. He's, he's, he's happy with that. Any idea, James? I may have. I may oh, have. Oh, I there's two, there's two playing red and black. So. And this is from, this is from SPFL League One down, right through the. the Lowland leagues and Highland leagues, right into the west of Scotland and east of Scotland. So, well, there might be 22 playing red and black then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll reveal the answer at the end of the show. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Camberwell's Colts boss James Orr is on the show this week. Uh, we've heard about Paul's new mains. Hitting six on the weekend, James. Your boys had five against Blantyvix. Yeah, um, played them on Saturday. Um, good to get another game in. That's the second game. Um, we played Musselburgh the first game, and we got a two-all draw. Um, and Blantyre again another West of Scotland Premier team who are really organised. I think the West of Scotland teams in the Premier League the they're very good. I mean, they're really good teams. They can a lot of them can move up to lone league no problem. Blantyre is one of them. So really solid, really organised, good players. So I think for us at the moment is just to go and try and compete against these teams and make sure that we can um, fight as well as they can. You no know, stick together, good team spirit, and then try and play the type of football we can on Broadwood. So, but to get five goals, five different scorers. And uh, one of the young boys for 2003 we brought up, he's um, just turning 18. Young boy called Danny Hatfield came in and we took him on for 20 minutes and he done great, scored a penalty. Well, got brought down for the penalty and then scored it. So, great young player coming through at the moment for the pathway. James, obviously, uh, some of our listeners might not know a great deal about Cumbernauld Colts. I only know them through, you know, my son playing like youth football and obviously you play in this great stadium up at Broadwood. Can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about Cumbernauld Colts, how they kind of come about and, you know, how you've ended up in this fantastic stadium that is Broadwood? Well, Cumbernauld Colts, um, since I've been there, um, they've always been at the stadium, but they've been up and running for many years. They've started from one amateur team right through to what they have at the moment. And they've got from amateur, well, under fun fours to, I think it's superstar fives, where all the kids in the, the little samba goals. Then they've got up to seven a size, nine a size, and 11 size, right through from um, over 35s, girls teams. And they've, they've got maybe, I, I couldn't tell you how many teams there is altogether, but from every walk of life right through, um, the chairman, the guy called um, Stuart, uh, Mackenzie, who started it all, 
he's uh, again started for one club right through and it's a community club and it is again obviously it's based in the middle of Cumbernauld and the community club's been there for as long as I've been there if not longer starting for one team but now they want to try and grow it into a pathway for the the teams coming through we have a thousand kids a thousand families all there and um, all playing on a Saturday morning Sunday morning and it's fantastic to see yeah, myself, how I got to know the Long League, I used to go and play with the over-35s and then got to know the size of the club and my two my two girls played there. Um, so it was good to see the sort of size of it. And at that point, Stuart wanted to start up in the Long League team to bring it through. And the Long League, I think, was starting up. It was already been up and running a couple of years. So we started it from scratch at that point and we've now been up and running for six years. Um, but the size of the club is enormous. I don't think people... When I bring boys in to try and explain to them, they don't really know the facilities we have until they come in and see them. They're first class. They're, they're better than, I would say, 80% of the second division teams and a decent 50 60% of the first division teams in terms of facilities and how we how we get looked after. We have a good partnership with the North Lancashire Leisure and we all work together with Clyde as well because Clyde are also in the club. Um, and they're, they're a partner of ours, so... Everybody tries to work together to make sure um, it's a good place to come and play football. I remember a couple of years ago when, when you guys uh, went to the stadium. And again, for the listeners that, that don't know the, the, the geography, uh, Broadwood Stadium is an all-seater stadium that's well, it's a re- relatively modern facility. Uh, I remember a few years when you guys moved in there. I think you, you took over the home changing room and, and you'd done it all up. And obviously Clyde was then... Are still in the league, but but it was perceived as their home, and everyone's perception now is, oh, Cumbernauld Colts has come in, and and it's their ground. How do, how does that work? I mean, is it is it a genuine partnership between yourselves and Clyde, or is it more run by yourself? No, I would like to think so. It's a genuine partnership. Um, uh, myself and Daniel Lennon actually speak relatively regularly about football and. Um, for myself, somebody to speak to as well, you know, who's 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 done things at a higher level. And um, North Flanger Leisure have the it's it's their stadium. In terms of the park, we always try and have a partnership on it. So I would say it's pretty fifty-fifty in the way things are going, and we're always trying to get things a bit better as it goes along. But to be honest, uh, at, 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 at the moment, Paul, I would say yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty regular if anything went wrong. So it's good to work together with these sort of clubs because at the end of the day, Clyde are a first division club. And first division clubs, you know what it's like, they, they, they're they seen as the, the main club, but they they don't have the thousand kids. They don't have the, that entitlement to, to anything within there that we don't. So it's good to have that partnership together. You, you touched on the thousand kids then. How does that transfer over to your team in terms of guys and families coming, you know, the, the kids and their families coming on a on a match day, on a Saturday? Does, do you get a, a fair support up there? Paul, I wish it was more, to be honest. And it's, you know, it's like sometimes it's um, everybody in coming old. Um, I would love it to come and watch us, but it's a lot of old families as well. You've got coming old United, Kilsyth and so on, that people still go and watch from granddads to dads to kids and things like that and and um, then you've obviously get everybody who supports Rangers and Celtic so for us we would love more people to come I think the the myth is is that because we play at Broadwood we've got 
all the facilities and all the money that, that the trappings come with us. But um, in terms of our team, we're not inundated with a budget. We have one of the smallest budgets in the league. And for us to try and grow, we need people to come watch us and come and see us so they can actually see the type of football we play and try and get some money behind the Long League Club because we're totally different from the community club. The community club, we're part of it, but we don't... Um, we we are, are separate in terms of how we run our budget and things like that. So we do nothing from the community club. But I think the myth is that everything is in terms of size of Cumbernauld Colts with this huge... Um, animal that that can work wonders with this sort of budget but we have a very small budget in this league i think uh, i think this month marks your six year six year anniversary at the club uh, james did you think it would be a job that you'd be in for as long as this i mean that's quite a long long uh, time for for a manager isn't it to be honest gareth no i didn't um i've loved every minute of it to be honest it's um the first few years were fantastic, really enjoyed it. last couple of years have been harder, as you would expect the type of clubs that are coming out of the league. They've just, their ambition is is way beyond what we can afford, to be honest. So we just we try and fight and make sure we're competitive in the league. And the past couple of years has been hard. But we've managed to stay, bad bar last year with the pandemic and everything else that's happened, but every other year we've managed to stay in the top six. But we're as ambitious as any other club and we want to do well. And every year we try and bring in good potential young players that want to do well and give them a platform. But six years at this club, it's, I've loved every minute of it. Paul has obviously got a, a co-manager at New Mains. Uh, and as you've always said it works well, Paul. You and, Craig, you and Craig McKinley kind of had that to start with, I think, if I'm right in thinking. Was that how you kind of managed it to begin with? And what's it been like since you've kind of been on your own if you like is as a dynamic change as the workload increased no to be uh, craig and i have known the, the good thing about craig and i we were um at dunny pace together and decided to take this job up together <clears throat> and i've known craig for so many years there's always a good compromise and we wanted to play the same way and we wanted to do things the same way well you know it's like paul when you're together you sometimes need someone else to to lock horns with you to have a different idea um, from you guys, but luckily enough, for the years we were together with Craig, we've done so well in the long league. It was it was a, a good compromise and the two is working together, and I love working with him. He's a good friend, to be honest. Because Craig stepped away, I've actually gained a friend again because I've seen him that much at football and everything else. You don't see each other outside, and now we get to see each other outside of football. So it's good to sort of have my friend back as well, in basis of it's not just talking about football all the time. I think you've got James Grant in as your number two now. Yeah, I've got a guy called Jazz Grant. I call him James, he goes in the half of me. So I've got <laughs> a guy called Jazz Grant and uh, David Proctor. David Proctor. So, mm. Yeah, Jazz, is, Jazz has been around, uh, around the block a few times. He knows what to do in terms of desk rooms, getting boys up for it. And he's been terrific since he's come in. And David, David speaks for himself, you know. He's um, got plenty of experience. And uh, when I heard that David... Uh, I've only known him sort of through different people. So when I heard that I had the opportunity of getting him, um, I gave him a phone and then pestered him for a few months. So I actually courted David longer than I courted my own wife. So trying to get get a hold of him at the club and then he decided to say yes. But that was only after I started sending his wife flowers and things to get him to say yes to come to the club. (laughs) 
for anybody who doesn't know, that's the David Proctor who played at what, Inverness, Airdrie, these kind of clubs. Dundee United, yeah. and then latterly uh, he managed Disco Bright for a short time, interim managers, and, and obviously he's a player, but him and Jazz have come in and they work really well together. And to be honest, it lets me sort of go on with taking care of the club that you don't need to do everything with it. So it's good to have somebody or both guys with so, so much experience. You said the job has been a bit tougher the last couple of years with, with the quality and I guess the budgets of some of the clubs that, that are now in the Lowland League. Um, I mean, that, that, that league, having a proper run at it without any pandemic getting in the way, could be one of the most exciting and competitive leagues you could go and watch on a Saturday now, couldn't it? I think this year as well, uh, well, and obviously in terms of prices as well, I'm just going to plug the lead. The prices are great to come and watch a game of football, but um, I think for this year, Kelty have been magnificent. They've put their money where their mouth is. They went and got themselves promoted, and I think that's fantastic. This year, I would, I would deny any team in the league, and I mean any team in the league, would say it's now a, it's now it's a, it's a clear path for a lot of teams to really go for it this year, and again. There'll be teams like East Kilbride and so on with good budgets. He's still and still with good budgets that will go for it. And then there'll be other teams like ourselves with um, our budget and other teams to try and make sure that we've got an opportunity to give it our best go. And this year we're going to make sure we do that. We obviously spoke on here uh, quite a lot about the ambition of some of the West of Scotland teams who could quite easily go and probably challenge in the Lowland League. Have you found, James, that... Uh, there is a there, there's a golf in the Lowland League, or you know, because we all know that Kelty's kind of got bigger budgets and, and and things like that. Does that is that pretty apparent to you know managing in that league that it's very very difficult to to compete with with some of the teams in there? Well, some of the boys they get, Paul, we, we couldn't afford them anyway, or they they wouldn't they wouldn't see us as somebody they would want to come to. So I understand that there's a pecking order which I which I get. And um, but from that, in terms of the league now, uh, with those sort of guys out, it, and they're they're really aggressive in their ambition. I think I think that's amazing that people want to put their money into it and go and do that. But I think for the rest of us now, this year there'll still, as I says, Paul, there'll still be teams that be really good budgets that want to get promoted. And East Kilbride being the main one, so that, that's a no-brainer. They want to be promoted. They've got the right manager in, the back staff in, and so on. But there's another. There's another few teams behind them who will be on their coattails and we'll be one of them because I think this year the league's wide open. The league's wide open for anybody. It's a short league for anybody that wants to do well. They go and win their first five and six games, gets momentum. It gives them an opportunity this year to go and do something in this league. And there'll be a good 10 or 12 teams thinking that. And um, But East Stirling, Berwick coming down. Um, these guys, they've not come down and bounced right back up. And I think when East Stirling came down, Paul, I think they got a parachute right away. And I actually think Berwick may have got a parachute payment right away. I'm unsure about that, but they may have. So if you can think about that coming in and then less fans and so on, that doesn't automatically, because your Berwick or East Stirling gets you promoted again. You need to work hard. And this league's a tough league. It's tougher than a lot of people think it is. You know, for, for being known juniors very well, you go to a lot of junior guys and they'll just not believe in the lone league. They'll not think it's a decent league. They just think juniors are West of Scotland it is now. They'll just think that's the best league. But you know it's like the West of Scotland teams, the Pollocks and Auckland and so on. 
they could come into this league and quite happily be at the top of it. Yeah, do you think it's only going to get more Tougher. competitive then? Yeah, as these teams come up? Every year, but that doesn't mean, again, club our size or anybody else's size um, is going to make sure that they're not competitive. Uh, my job is to make sure that we're as competitive as we possibly can be with the budget I get. At the end of the day, would you love a, a big budget? Of course you would, but you are what you've got. Do you know what I mean? So you just go and you work with it and you work as hard as you can and you need to coach a bit bit harder, a bit faster and you need to get the right people with the right potential in. And if you've got that, and as Paul will tell you, sometimes it just clicks. And when it just clicks, you can you can have a right good go at it. So I'm looking forward because I, I enjoy seeing the young boys with a smile on their face and really working hard and seeing things working and coming off that you've worked at in the training field. So it's good to see we also talk about semi-professional football in Scotland on here quite a bit, but possibly we don't, the, the listeners probably don't know what's involved in the job and the job that you do. Could you run just through maybe a kind of your week to let our kind of listeners know what, what really happens as a as a manager of a semi-professional football team? That's well, probably the same as yourself. It's full time. You know the amount of calls you need to get through for a start, you know, speaking to other, if it's pre-season, you're not off the phone. Uh, my wife's trying to divorce me five times now just because of the amount I'm on the phone. The amount of things I've bought her because the deal has been, you got off that phone or you're buying me something else. Sorry to interrupt, James. What's the most expensive thing you've had to buy her? I just, I just bought a, a miniature poodle. I don't want to talk about it, but it's a miniature poodle we've just bought. And um, the deal was you buy me a miniature poodle and I'll stop moaning about you being on the phone so much. So, <laughs> For anybody that knows me, that, that's not really my cup of tea, a miniature poodle. But we ha- now have a miniature poodle as well as my, my own dog, my Labrador, but now we've got a miniature poodle in the house. Uh, <laughs> it, it likes to make sure we all know it's in the house anyway because it's a stinky wee miniature poodle. <laughs> the thing is, I think as football manager in this league will tell you, Paul, you know this, mate, because uh, in pre-season, trying to find players of a, a certain ilk that you want, that you can control the ball or keep the ball in, especially in the stadium that we've got, to find them for the price that they want to come and play and show their skills without wanting excess. You're on the phone every day, every night, every weekend. Somebody will tell you about a game on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock in Paisley. You're away watching it with the two kids in tow. Then on Sunday, you're away watching another game. And then that's not including the, week, that's not including the weekday games or looking at the SFA list, trying to get boys in. Then there's the other side of it, and we're very good in this team. They take care of me, I'll be honest with you, in terms of all the, the people that come in and help at Commonwealth Colts. They really, they're, they're very nice. They come in, all the, all the people that come in and help are first class. So this year they've done really well by me to make sure that I've got the help that I could possibly get in terms of the strips and everything else. But every single day is about speaking to players, try to find the players of the right out who want to be there, following them up again, because you need to, you can't phone a player once, you need to phone him eight or nine times, send flowers to his mum, his mum, his grandma, his wife, do you know what I mean? Jesus suffering, trying to get him just to talk to you for five minutes. And then after that, you're going to watch different games, different players, or you're streaming different games, just trying to figure out who the people are. And then finding out who they are as people to see if they're the right character for your team. All this just to get one player through the door. 
Um, and if you start finding that, as Paul will tell you, when you start finding the right character and it starts gelling, by the end of a few weeks, you, you feel really good about it and you go, that's been a lot of hard work because you're not just going in and saying, I want him, go see the chairman for how much money you want. You deal with all the money, you deal with everything, you deal with the numbers, you deal with how many times they're in, their holidays, when they're taking time off, their sessions, you deal with everything. So it's good, it's very enjoyable, but it's it's much full-time, it's not a part-time job. In fact, my job is part-time compared to this job. <laughs> and in terms of the, the, the training sessions, are you quite active or do you let your, your coaches get involved in that? Every year I am pretty active, but this is the year Paul I've says to when I brought Jazz and Prox in, I says to him, Look, I would I would just love for people to come in and do the training, let me watch, let me speak to the lads, let me try and be a manager and go through things with them, make them feel invested, wanted in the team, what we're trying to achieve this year, uh, make sure we do have a spirit and jazz and prox have jumped all over that. They've been brilliant. And um and but they're very active now in terms of what they do, and it lets me take that step away this year. Um, but normally I'm pretty hands-on. I'm pretty anal about training, to be honest, but this year it's been great stepping away because the guys have got so much experience. And to be honest, the boys I kept from last year, they've loved it because it's a different voice. I mean, you've got a different voice. They stand to attention a bit more and listen and to look at the things they're trying to do, and they've really taken to it this year. So for me... That little step back, Paul, has been brilliant. I was going to ask you about your your squad and how close it is to the finished article as far as you're concerned right now. What 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 changes have you made over the summer so far and, and how much more would you like to do? How many more bunches of flowers have you got to buy yet to try and convince wives to, that their, their husbands should uh, to join up to the up to the cults? I'll be flowers, I'll be sending them pictures soon. I'll just trying to make sure they get signing for me. <laughs> we've got we've got fifteen we've got fifteen signed. We're nearly there. Um there's a couple still to get through the door to help support us and um and we're still looking at the, the young kids coming through from the low threes and stuff because there is I have to admit there are some crackers there. And uh, and uh, sometimes you know what it's like if you're if you're good enough you're you're old enough. Um so we need to give these guys opportunities as well because we have promised there's a pathway there. I would like to get a squad of 18. We've got 15 signed at the moment. We're still trying to speak to another couple of players. However, Gareth, it's some players are they're speaking to four or five clubs, so we need to be patient. We need to make sure we take our time and give them their time to go and do their due diligence on different teams. And some guys want money, some guys don't. They just want the platform, and that's the person we're going to try and get. The one that turns in and says, "Look." It's only about the platform and the facility and how you can treat me and make sure I get my move back up to second or first division. When you get boys like that coming through, you know you've got the right type of character you need for your team. And have you had many players, James, that have kind of just maybe took that wee step back? If if, if, if it is a step back, I'm not entirely sure the Lowland League is that big a step back from League Two, but have you had guys there that have uh, come back down to, to kick on and move back up? Yeah, we, we've had a few um, couple of boys for East Kilbride who have kicked back on. Um, a few boys are training with different second division teams and one's training with a first division team at the moment. But the thing for us is, uh, is Paul, is that some of the boys, you know, have played maybe reserve football, sort of been around different squads, Hamilton that type thing, and maybe been missed with the second division. 
you know, they might not have played a lot of games. These are the ones that are they're super ambitious, they're aggressive in their approach and the way they want to get. They just might not have played enough games for them to get seen. That's the guys I look for that are they can step they, you know you can step up the now, but they just might not have had that opportunity yet. So if I can get a hold of them and give them thirty games, then they'll go and get the opportunity to step up. And hopefully we us. And have you found many players maybe coming from that kind of senior pro youth setup or maybe reserve under under 21s football, you know, at an elite club, maybe coming to yourself, it's maybe struggled to to, to handle the loan league? Um, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. I think sometimes if we get any boys taking it to on the flip side of that, if I get any boys um, on loan, the first thing I say to them is you need to commit to the loan. Don't just come in alone and think like, it's just the Lowland League, because a lot of them don't know how tough it is, because they think the next step for them is to go on loan to a second division team. But the second division team don't take a lot of 18 or 19-year-old boys on loan, obviously, unless they're pretty exceptional. So we want them, but some of them, as long as they commit, they do a great. I mean, they do a great job, and I've been honestly, I've been very lucky with the loans I've had for different clubs. Um, they've been some of the loans have been outstanding, and they've been on and went back into their first team or or got a chance in their first team, or went and got maybe a move to a first division team after that or something, and they went and done well. So the loans, as long as they commit, and the other boys coming down, Paul, you're right, they can come in and then come down and see how tough it is. And again, maybe last year a couple of lads for myself maybe found it a bit tougher than they thought. Um, but you know what? It's a learning lesson for everybody when they start moving out this loan league. I think top path of this loan league is as good as the second division. We mentioned that you beat uh, Blantyre Vicks on the weekend. You, I think you drew with Musselburgh two each before that. This, this, this is going out on Friday night. We're recording it on Tuesday night. Um, is it Trenent this weekend, or is that game not now going ahead? Yeah, we postponed it. Um, Trenent was struggling. I spoke to Callum Elliott, and he was struggling for a few players just with the, the Scotland game. So. I decided to take the opportunity of uh, getting a few brownie points with the players early on and giving them a day off on Saturday rather than getting them in at three o'clock to train. So that gives them a wee day off, but we've got we've got an unexpected day off. But we've got a full schedule, to be honest, coming up. And that was an extra game, so we've got a full schedule coming up. So at the moment, we're very happy with our fitness. So getting that little date on themselves and a wee bit of team bonding if they're together as well will be good for them. So is it then after that, it'll be Clyde Bank away and then you've got the NL Broadwood Cup next month with Airdrie, Albion, Rovers and Clyde? That's correct, mate. We've got uh, Clyde Bank away again, top west of Scotland team. I think I think they were at the top of the league when the, 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 when the league finished. Uh, brilliant team, good manager, good assistant, everybody there, the top people, they know what they want to do. Very ambitious club as well. Great wee place to go and play football and the top team. So it'll be good to play against them. It's another step, it's another challenge for us uh, to see how we do. And then after that, they're the big challenges because we don't expect to have the ball as much. You're playing against Airdrie, Clyde, or Albion Rovers. And then we're giving them Monday off. And then on the Tuesday, we're playing against Morton. Um, we're going to play them on the Tuesday. Um, then Thursday, we're going to do a wee bit of foot golf. Again, a wee bit of team bonding, get a bit of foot golf. Uh, a bit of fun with the lads in. And I think after that, um, we've got St. Caddick's. 
and that'll be the last game. So it's it's coming in thick and fast, to be honest. And and what what were you kind of what are you seeing as a successful season then, based on what you've said tonight, and you know the the budgets of teams around you and being realistic as well. What's a successful season for the Colts this season? Well, I, I look as I said before, and um, I don't want to give places or positions. And again, Paul, you will understand this. I want to give this the best goal I can give. Um, I think we've put together a good team. I think in terms of a couple of the best signings I've made this year is basically Jazz and Proctor because they've been terrific since they've been in. And the boys have loved them. And in terms of the character I've put together, is good. So for me, we want to make sure that we start the league well and get ourselves up that league and give it our best goal. So do I want to win it? Of course I do. I would like to think every other team would think the same. Do I think I could win it? Yeah, I do. I think we could win it if we give this the best go and have the right mindset and give ourselves 100% every week. And if we can keep that up, then we'll do it as best we possibly can and give everybody a wee nose bleeding away there and see what happens by the time it comes to the end of the season. And from a board point of view, does your chairman have any expectations of you or does he set any targets for the team? No, not not particularly. No, he understands. I, I'm, as I say, I'm very lucky, Paul, with who have got backing me and behind me. They all want to do well for the Colts. And as I said previously, we have a thousand families and things. You'd, you'd like to think we had that sort of backing, and but we we don't. We just don't get it at the moment. That's okay. So we need to work on that. We need to get everybody backing us and understanding who we are, how we work, and sort of budgets. And we would love that. And we're going to continue to work on that because Cumbernauld's a very tight community. And, um, and I stay in coming on, so I understand the community behind it and the chairman understands it. So in terms of the budget, he just wants us to do as well as he can. But every year he wants to set me a top six. And, he, and as the chairman's own words, if I hit the top six, I'm punching above our weight every time. But with the boys in the team this year, if I turn and say it's my top six, I expect him to tell me to go and behave myself because they all want to do better. They're, they're really good players, really top pros. They want to do well, great potential. And um, and they've worked really hard in the last seven sessions we've had, so in a couple of games. So it's been fantastic. I really hope that they do come in, Paul, and, and work that hard that shows the chairman and shows the community how well we can do and imagine what we could do if we, if we got a wee bit of money behind it in terms of building the club up. Not just about budget. But just building the club up to a profile, you know, it can't all be can't all be round about budget, Paul. It can't always always be round about money. It's always nice to have, but we need to build the the brand of Cumbernauld Colts Lowland League team and show everybody who we are as well, because there is a great pathway for all these kids, and we want to continue to prove that. Did you you hopeful that you know with the, with the fan situation and fans not having been able to go to games? Top clubs only able to offer maybe seating to a certain percentage. We don't know. Would you hope to maybe attract a few more along in a, with a facility like that for home games? Yeah, well, we we've got a guy um, called called Ian who is he's honestly worked so hard for us to try and um, get the market and the brand out there and what we're trying to achieve. And again, with the chairman and everybody else trying to work so hard for us to get it out there. But I do believe that. Celtic and Rangers will help coming out of the league. You know, it will help. If Celtic and Rangers are playing on a Sunday and we play the kids on a Saturday, why would they not come and watch? 
it is. It's, you know what I mean? There'll be as many Celtic Rangers fans in Cumbernauld as there is anybody else. So I'm hoping we get some money from that. You know what it's like if they come and watch and they enjoy it. They'll maybe start the company watch us as their, their sort of second club. So sort of fingers crossed on that. I don't know if you've noticed already, but certainly from our point of view, and we've spoke about the, the Breeding Space Cup that, that's been put together here. I've been going to midweek games and the, and the crowds are certainly have been missing football. And, and you know, we've had you know, 100, 200 people at games that, I, that I've been to. Have you, have you noticed that in some of the games that you've played already? Yeah, the first game, I think we had, I, I think it was about between 150, 180 in the first game, which we didn't expect. And, you know, because it's, it's quite a big stadium, but because they're sort of like in the one stand, there was a wee bit of noise behind it. It was nice, Paul, to sort of hear it. And we played Blantyre there, and we don't carry a big support, and I, I don't think Blantyre do, but there was probably about 80 people sort of paid to get in through um, the website and obviously just paying at the door. So, again, that was great, and that was a bit unexpected. The chairman only spoke to me about that the other night, so it was a bit unexpected to get that many people through. So th- these are not big games, and we're not a big team either, but I, I'm hoping we start playing against your Clydes and your Airdries and your Albion Rovers We'll start seeing some people coming through. And this is the thing. If they don't go and watch Clyde, if Clyde's away from home and they can't go and watch them, come watch us. Come watch the next local team if you're a Clyde supporter. So, and come and watch a team who hopefully play nice football that you enjoy. A few more unexpected gates like that and you'll be chapping his door for a bigger budget. <laughs> a Mars bar will be getting off of my pack of cheese <laughs> onion. That's, 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 that's my budget. <laughs> As I say, the chairman's very nice to me. He's, he's, he's put up with me for six years, and so is his wife, Fiona. So to put up with me for six years, hanging about the club like a bad smell, they've done well. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Coburnie Laidside assistant boss, Des Roach. Thanks, Gareth. Well, this week, we start over in the capital city, in Edinburgh City. They've come up with the innovative idea to move games to a Friday night, and a move back to their own spiritual Meadowbank home in October. The SPFL Chiefs have given approval to push on with this plan, while the other nine League Two clubs are understood to have backed the proposal. This they hope to generate more revenue through the turnstile by avoiding clashes with the other two Edinburgh Giants. At Broadwood, Clyde, fresh from the signing the experienced Mark Doherty, have added more depth by bringing on board 30-year-old ex-Harps and Patrick Thistle centre-half Conrad Balatoni. Daniel Lennon has also signed Northern Ireland under-21 international Harry Robinson. The direct frontman can also be a threat on the wing, with his creativity and delivery that seen him on the fringes of the first team at Motherwell before heading out in loan to Queen of the South last season. Barry Ferguson's revolution is fully underway at Alloa, with six new signings confirmed. Among them are Connor Salmon. The big target man has a wealth of experience in both Scotland and England and once commanded a fee of over a million pounds while going to Derby County. This, as well as attaining nine full Irish international caps under the legendary Giovanni Trapattoni. Mark Dunnan, now he's another. He has a wealth of experience at a higher level, including Dundee United, and he's been enticed to play under the influence of the new manager and his backroom staff. Down in the south, a club close to my heart, Stranraer, well, they have filled the void 
left by the departure of Stevie Farrell to Dumbarton by appointing from within the club. Fullback and ex-Heartsman Jamie Hamill is the new man in charge. He will be supported by Darryl Duffy and Scott Robertson in the dugout, with Robertson being the player coach. Gary Irvin up at Forfa, he has added a couple of familiar faces to his management team. Former Dundee and Dundee United midfielder Scott Robertson is his new assistant manager, while also adding former Dark Blues teammate Gary Harkins as first team coach. Robertson's role is probably the first in Scottish football as he will continue his day job as a youth team coach at Dundee. The football authorities have given him special permission to work for both clubs. Queen's Park, gaffer Laurie Ellis has reversed the roles of the time spent at Wraith Rovers by appointing Grant Murray as his assistant manager at Lesser Hamden. Ellis was the understudy to Murray at Starts Park from 2012 to 2015. In the Highland League, Josh Meekings has raised a few eyebrows by giving up full-time football and signing with Brora Rangers on a three-year deal. Meekings did have offers from Championship level to level to League 2, including Inverness Caledonian Thistle again, where he previously had a six-year stay. Meekings is returning north to put down roots with his family and also take a, a longer-term view of things. Strass Bay Thistle, they have appointed Charlie Brown as new manager at Seafield Park. They have been looking for a new boss following Gordon Nicholson's departure. The Granton outfit have reached agreement with Forest Mechanics for Coach Brown to take the reins and Brown's long-standing relationship serving as a player and a coach for more than 20 years at Mossett Park, well, he'll be hoping to make his mark in management at Strathspey. In the West of Scotland League, well, most teams are now back training, playing friendlies. One club, however, losing a few players is Hurlford United, with the likes of Adam Hodge moving to Clyde Bank, Ross Fisher to Glenafton and Michael Wardrop to Irvine. They're among just a number of nine players who have taken their way out of Blair Park. Henderson has brought in Graham Muir from Largs to add some well-needed nous, as well as Liam Miller and one-time St Murn prospect Carter Frew. Not to mention that his sidekick John Dempster has polished off the boots after four years out, just in case the eventuality arises for the need of his services. Well, that's enough for me. I hope everyone's enjoying the football during the week. The big one's on tonight. Let's go Scotland. Do our best. Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern manager, you're listening to Down the Divisions. Cameron Colts boss James O is on the show this week. I wanted to ask you, James, um, we've talked about the strength of the Lowland League. Uh, obviously, the old firm Colts teams are coming in. Uh, what, what, what's your views on that? And we, we've had contrasting views on here. Some people saying that it's it's wrong, it's setting a precedent, it's it's uh, compromising the integrity of the league. They're paying to get in the league. Any team could pay to get in the league if that's the case. What's what, what's your view on it? It's done now. They're in. They've paid their money. So there's not. It's done. There's not the the time to moan was all back then that everybody did, and now it's been voted that they're in. They put up with it, and we go and we use for what it needs to be, and they they want to use it for whatever they want to use it for, and I'm sure there'll be a plan, another plan B for them to get to where they want to get to. And for us, I think we should just enjoy it and use it for what we need to use it for and and make sure we do the club or every club gets something from it. They paid money to get in. I wish they had paid more because when I found out how much it was, I thought that's nowhere near enough that they should have paid to get in. But um, 
I don't know if anybody knows this because it was one of the questions I asked when I found out. Because the first thing I thought went, that's not much money for every club. But the chairman soon put me right and says the clubs don't see any of that, not a penny. No. So, no, the clubs don't see a penny. So maybe a lot of people think, oh, they're going to, I think, was it 50 grand, 25 grand each or something? Was it yeah. something like that? So 25 grand each, but that was only three grand a club. It's, and we don't even see a penny of that. So it goes. It goes to the league and they'll use that and brand that and market that and do whatever they need to do for the league, which is which is fine for the league. So they need to do that. But the clubs don't don't see a penny. All we'll get is hopefully the gates will be good. And then if the gates are good, but you know what comes with big gates means more stewards and more stewards and then more money. And so you don't know. It might cover itself off. It might not. But do you know what? For me, honestly, let's just enjoy it. All the talking's been done. They're going to be in the league. I don't see any point in having a go any longer. Let's just go and enjoy it. And do you think as a manager going up against these Colts teams, and it's not being disrespectful to any team in the Lowland League, but there's a certain way of playing, there's a certain level of player and so on. Are you as a manager going into these Colts Colts games maybe going to have to think a little bit differently? Is it going to be a different test for you, do you think, and a, and a, and a good challenge? No, I just, this game's a game, isn't it? So... Um, they've get they're going to have young players that are elite to their group, and um, and my guys will enjoy going up against them the same as any other team. So they're supposed to be the elite of Scotland at that age, and if they are the elite of Scotland at that age, they'll come into long league and they'll be they'll be told they'll be schooled to say this will be a tough league for you, this will be a test. And you need to remember because they have paid money because they did put up the fight to get us in. They'll not want to come in and just make up the numbers. They want to do well. So, in any team that's playing against them, they'll not see it as a friendly. They'll just come in with anything else. And I'm sure they'll have a great coach, great medical staff, great assistant, everybody behind them. But at the end of the day, the Lone League's quite technical. And because it's quite technical, it'll be good for Celtic Rangers, but it'll be good for everybody else. I'm also correct in saying they can't win the league. Yeah, you're right. Aye, can't win the league. Um, that's that's the rules they put in place that they can't win it, can't be can't be promoted up. So I'm guessing it'd be the team. Let's just say Rangers won it. I'm guessing it'd be the team below it. Um, as long as long as it's no Celtic, the team below that then. Um, so but I, honestly, I would like to think East Kilbride, Bonnie Riggs, all these sort of guys that they would have something to say about anybody winning the league for Celtic okay. Rangers and the same with us as well. Um, but no, they can't win it, can't get promoted, but. I'm, as I say, Paul, I'm guessing if you think through the whole this year and this is what they wanted to do, to give themselves an opportunity to come out of the Lone League, paid some money to come and do it. But this isn't where they're going to end up, is it? Because essentially the whole fight was to get into the second division, the first division and so on. They're, they must have a plan B. They're not going to give that up. I think uh, Brecon had also offered to pay certain amounts of money to be allowed to come into the Lowland League and were told, no, they had to go into the Highland League. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a tough one for Brecon. We've talked about the players being, a lot of them being Glasgow-based, but would, would you have been open to a to a, a trip to Brecon? Or, I mean, could you understand where they were coming from? But at the same time, there's there's got to be a cut-off line somewhere in that, isn't there? Well, it's just to say, listen, I've, actually, Brecon's a great club. Um, when you get there, it's a great stadium and everything, you know, when, when I played up there many years ago and, um, I would I'd be happy if they come out of this league because I just think sometimes the more 
senior teams that come down and find it tougher. It's showing you how good the long league team is um, when they go up there. But I think you're right, there's a cut-off. And if that cut-off is, is whatever line that is that they can't come in and nobody's willing to budge on it, then they just need to play by the rules and get in the Highland League. It might be tough on them because they get most of their players for Glasgow. But now they've got... I think they've got Craig Levine up there helping. Yeah. As the director of football or something or some sort of person. And then they've got an outstanding coach up there as well. I've, I've, I apologise if I've got his name, but... Andy, Andy, Andy Kirk. Aye, aye. Jeez, oh, Andy Kirk. I mean, what a, what a great coach he is, where he's been in his career. Um, so they'll, they'll do well anyway with those type of people behind it. So it's just a shame that they cut off, that everybody in the Lone League says, no, that's the cut-off line. You need to abide by the rules. And talking, we're talking north of Scotland. Uh, obviously, you, you had a, an interesting episode, I suppose, at the start of the season with uh, with a team up the north of Scotland, and uh, it took a few goes to get that, that Scottish Cup. Was it four four attempts to get the Scottish Cup tie against Huntley on? Oh, I don't don't talk about Huntley again. I'm still I'm still having sleepless nights. Uh, yeah, we had a good few attempts to get it up and running. Um, Managed to get up and running. I think we got it cold. Managed to get up and running. And um, we started the game all magnificently well. And I thought we were the better team, to be honest, over the course of the, the game. But we just didn't take chances. And they hit us in the break in the last one and um, and scored a, a couple of half-decent goals. But we, we let ourselves down a wee bit that night because that was the night we could have went on and done quite well. We, we, we were definitely the better team, but... If you don't score goals, don't win games. What What was that episode like? There were the games getting called off, and especially, I mean, it'd be different if it was you were playing Airdrie, wouldn't it, or Livingston or something like that. But when when there's a trip involved like that as well, see, see, to be honest, it it may have been more frustrating for them than us because it's them that's trying to get the game on as well. Because obviously they they believed that uh, being the, the high league team and, and essentially a team that should have had a great run in the leagues and, and, and Scops is on, they'd be desperate for that game on, especially at their home park. But having to play that way in an Astroturf park, I'm sure they weren't that happy because we play in Astroturf park. So to go and get that win would have been great for them and, and they would have felt fantastic after it. But for us, you could just go on with it and waited until the right time. I wasn't that bored. We were not, we weren't putting up a fight about it. It was just one of them that. If it happens, it happens. We'll go and do our best. We prepared as well as we possibly could. Done everything right. And there were a couple of times that because boys had taken half days and things like that, it was getting a, a little bit frustrating for them. But do you know what? We kept calm until we got up that night. Also wanted to ask you about, uh, well, you've had some tragic news recently, haven't you, at the club with Lewis Aitchison passing away as well. And uh, tell us a bit about that. Well, personally, I don't. Personally, I don't know the boy, but what I do know is he was well-loved at the club. Um, I believe he moved on a wee bit there, but he's, he had friends in North Rees very close to him, and he was a well-loved a well-loved guy, a well-loved player, and really liked. So the, the club had done a... We found out in, in Saturday morning how the club were doing it as a community club, but we wanted to be part of it. So I know everybody through the whole weekend had done a, a minute's um, sort of clap for him which I thought was was very fitting for a boy who's obviously been loved with everyone. And it's a, it's a shame for all the young lads who have known him. And, uh, and I feel for them, you know, I really feel for him and his family at the moment. But I'm glad that Cumberland Colts could at least 
sort of show the respect in that way. Yeah, thoughts uh, thoughts are with Lewis Lewis's family um, at this time. Uh, what about your playing days, James? Uh, tell tell us about how it all started for you. Well, it wasn't very good to be honest, but as a I saw a um I think a hammer throw. Um well I started at Queen's Park um as a young boy. Went there, I think I played by a young a team called Blantyre Falcons at the time, like um young team there went on to Queen's Park. But I managed to get into the team and I think about eighteen I managed to break into the first team at Queen's Park, played a few games under Eddie Hunter, and if anybody ever remembers Eddie Hunter, he's still going and he's still scary. And um <laughs> <laughs> he's the scariest man I've ever met in my life and um, and my middle name he, he used to have a few sweary words about what my middle, my middle name was it was James something or it was never my middle name it was always something else so and, um, he was he was a great guy and he taught you he taught you the values of working hard taught you the values of being a team player and taught you the values of fitness and what that could possibly get you and he'd he'd moved so many players on to senior, which was um, which was fantastic with Queens Park, as everybody probably knows at that point. But being under him was great. And then after that, we had uh, Andy McLennan come in for a short time, who was already there, and I loved playing under Andy as well. And then Hugh McCann, um, I thought a few people know Hugh. Um, and then after that, I went to East Stirling and played at East Stirling for a year and a bit. But I was unlucky, uh, Gareth. I was unlucky. I kept getting injuries. Um, I had broke my collarbone and uh, my elbow at Queen's Park. Then I broke my tibia at East Stirling. Then I broke my elbow again at the end of East Stirling. Um, so I had a few injuries. Then my medial ligament went. And then after East Stirling, I went to four for La Broth under a guy called Tommy Campbell. Um, terrific man. Really lovely man. Old school. Um, was he the St. Johnston Kitman more latterly? Yeah, but well, latterly, but he was up. He was just brilliant. A really, really lovely man, and he worked his very hard and had a great team. Guys like Ian Lee and Jimmy Hamilton and uh, Bobby Mann and stuff like that up there, and and it was a pleasure going up there and playing because that sort of makes you play a bit better at that point. And I sort of done okay in and out of team and stuff, and then he went to a broth and I went to a broth with him, and then he, he just he stopped. He didn't want to manage any longer and he just stopped and left the broth. So at that point, I didn't want to travel up any longer. So I went back to Queen's Park and stayed there for about a year under a guy called Graham Elder. Um, and Graham I'd known for a lot of years. Um, he was a, a player there as well when I was a player. And um, I was a young boy, obviously, and he took over as a player coach. And then that was it. I'd stopped playing senior football a bit then and then went to various junior teams. But everything. I played a good couple of hundred games, so it was good to get about. But the best time for me was I loved East Stirling because of the type of players that were there. They were excellent. Really, really excellent. And Queen's Park for me was um, it's, a, it's a grounding for any young boy when they go there and how hard you need to work. So obviously it changed now being full-time. Um, a lot changed at Queen's Park now. I mean, I know everybody knows Eddie Hunter, but you say, you say he's scary. T- t- tell us why he's scary. And he's so he's, I say scary, but so demanding, and um, so demanding. He used to. There's a lot of good stories about. I guess if you spoke to any of my friends about how many times I was not allowed in a team photo because I wouldn't get my hair cut. And um, <laughs> he, <laughs> I used to have my hair long, believe it or not, um, in a ponytail, 
And he used to be like, what are you doing, son? And uh, we were going to play Kamalik one day and he took me out of the team because uh, I wouldn't get my hair cut. And um, I went in and trained on Monday and I just cut my fringe and he was raging. He was absolutely furious at me. And we went and played Ross County on a Saturday and after the game, I was luckily I got my the match and he came in and he started screaming at me anyway and shouting at me and I'm sitting going, I just got my the match and he was like, but you'd play better if you had a haircut. <laughs> yeah. He was just, I was determined for me to get my hair cut, but to be honest, I am not a boy that suits long hair, so I wish somebody had told me back then to go and get a haircut. But I refused point blank, you know, try to say, no, I'm not getting it cut. But I was sick of being out. Everybody see, but at Queen's Park for years, but in one team photo. But I had my hair long for years, so I made sure I get it cut. Would you ever drop a player for. Uh... Having his hair long now, then, uh, James? <laughs> no, I dropped them for pink boots. So there's a few boys going to be pink boots on. <laughs> and you, if you're a keeper with pink boots on, you better be really good. <laughs> be really, really good. So, no, you know, it's like now a different colour of boots, all the tattoos, everything. Everybody's got their own way of doing things now. And some of the boys, oh, my God, even their clothing, it's ridiculous. And um, But, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be dropping them anymore for... I maybe dropped something for bad clothing, so some of their taste in gear is terrible. Absolute terrible. Well, what's, what's the taste like for gear in the new mains uh, dressing room, Paul? Well, obviously, they're having a, a lot of the new boys have come in, haven't they? So they're having to arrive in, in, in the kit that they've got and, and leaving the kit that they've so got. The jury's still out. The jury's, the jury's still, out. still out. And uh, we've not had the, the big night out yet, so uh, I'll report back later on that. Yeah, you need to wait till night out just to see what the club is like. That's when you really see them, isn't it? Football how, tight, how tight can you get a pair of jeans, Paul? Aye, and how short without a pair of socks? Uh, as cool as I ever want to be, James, right? I'd like to be a cool guy, but I could not wear shoes without socks. I'd be the guy with the blasters and my heels would be bleeding. <laughs> it's, not, it's not acceptable, is it? It's not acceptable. Tight jeans with brown suede shoes and no socks. Next morning you'll be waking up. You can't get those jeans. You've got blisters over your feet. I've even I've even tried it on holidays. You know the 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 boat shoes. If I'm just stepping onto my yacht and all that. No, just I just get cuts. (laughs) The only thing I've worn with no socks is flip flops. That's as much as it's gone. James, you said you said after uh, you know after you, you finished uh, playing senior, you went down to the juniors to to sort of finish off your career to play uh, your final years. How did you find that at that time, having having spent your times up at the Queens Parks and the East Stirlings and that? Was it a bit of a culture shock, or were you ready for it, it at no, the I time? Stopped, to be honest, guys, I stopped playing for about a year, and I met one of my old Queens Park mates. Um, as I was stuffing my face with a cake outside Sainsbury's, and he was saying, do you want to come and play? And I was like, I'm a bit unfit, as I've got cream around my face and everything, and I was like, I'm a bit unfit. He says, come and play. So I went and played, and I went to East Kilbride Thistle, which was under an old manager, I just remember his name, John Thompson. And uh, I went and played there, and I maybe had three or four old Queen's Park boys, and it was great, I really enjoyed it. I only played about eight games, and then went to a team called, called South Rangers and um, a guy called Dougie Bell um, had come up and sort of watched a game and I'd never heard that you know what it's like when you sort of go junior you don't hear a lot of teams you don't know who they are and I went to I went and spoke to Dougie and went to Cole South I didn't even know where Cole South was it was miles away as far as I was concerned and um, got there but Dougie 
if anybody knows Dougie, um, he's become a really good friend for all his time, and he was a great. It was the first time that probably in juniors that it was the first time I thought this coaching is as good as it was when it was senior. He was he was outstanding. He knew what he was doing. Um, but I think Dougie's like a European Cup winner or something. He's got. Is it, is it the Dougie Bell? Is it the Dougie Bell for Aberdeen? Aye, aye, that, that's him. Oh, great guy! And um, I remember one day coming out, and he's pulling a kitten. I was like, he playing a day, and I just thought he he must be about eighty-two. And um, and he came and played, and obviously he wasn't eighty-two, but he was outstanding. And I was just thinking, what a player this man is. And um, and he played me in the middle of him a couple of times. I'm going, I'm not a midfielder, mate. And um, and he played me, but honestly, God, what a what a player. And um, and it was great getting to know him. And every night, I, I couldn't even speak about the night out with Dougie, but every night out was um was was something to that you take to the grave with you. He's uh, <laughs> he's some man, Dougie Bell. He's absolutely some man. He's uh, he's he's one of the nicest men in football. But then when he gets on a park. Um, he's as he's as tough as nails. Uh, really, really good player though. Because he was so the best of it. Well, manager of Clyde as well. Dougie. Yeah. I think he went any. I think he went any assistant. Paul, it, I, I don't think it, he was a manager. I think he was assistant. I. Um, I'm sure he did get his assistant, but not the manager. Um, but oh, he's a top man. He, again, he doesn't stay far away from me. I still see him now and again and say hello to him. And um, but he's a, he's a he's a top boy, but he was he was brilliant, great 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 in terms of his management because he was so. When you think about somebody who is quite aggressive on the park and the way they play, but he's so laid back and how he wants to do things, but then he gets on the park, he's um, he's a screwball. <laughs> and and at what point did did you think that coaching might be something you wanted to get into? I was getting old. I was getting old. <laughs> I was getting old. I was still playing. I was 40 and I was going, right, I need to knock this in the head and stop playing football. So I was 40, still playing. I went back to help Craig and uh, a guy called Mick um, at Dunny Pace because I played for a wee while. Then I went, look, I need, I'm going to stop playing, concentrating the business and things like that. And then, then they asked me to go back and help them with the coaching. And at that point, we had a few injuries and we went and played. And I'll never let these young boys forget. We went and played eight games. And I played eight games in, in centre defence and didn't lose one goal. So I was trying to explain to him how to be a defender. But really, I was absolutely blagging it for eight games. And then <laughs> on the ninth game, we played against uh, Bells Hill. And um, we played against... It was a boy assigned for Cumberland Colts the year later. And uh, basically that day, I walked off the park going, he's just retired me, that's me done. <laughs> That's me done. I thought I can't catch him, can't run after him, can't do nothing. I went, I'm done. And, what was uh, the score? What was the score that day? Three nil. Three nil. He ran by me three times, and I <laughs> thought that's me. I've had enough. I just came off that day and went, that's me. I, I cannot play. Get a grip. And then at that point, I think maybe a few months later, I went and played over 35s, and we had a few friends, and that's the Cumberland Colts, and because um, again they, they do over 35s and things like that. And, and that's when I met Stuart, and I was just in the middle of doing my licences, and I thought, why not? Um, I'll give it a give long league a go, and then went back to Craig and says, look, I'm going to give this a go, and um, and he says, do you want to do it together? I mean, that's great because I was doing a lot of travelling at the time we work, so we done it together, and that's how we got we got together long league. And did uh, Master Ian Maxwell play in that uh, 
over 35s team. He's still trying to play in that over 35s team. Big <laughs> um, like Maxi, I Maxi played with me at Queen's Park, Paul, all That's those years ago. And again, he only stays up the road. I see him way too often as well. But, um, but he's uh, Maxi's a better golfer than he is a football player, but he's, uh, he's, he's actually over 30. He, the boy's will to win is unbelievable, even at that age. He's just so calm and everything, but he's a lovely guy. And um and it's great to to know him and get him as a friend because he's a really good guy, don't he, Earth guy? And he's a funny guy in the changing room as well. Uh, he's very he's he's uh, his one liners are pretty good. Uh, one liners are pretty good, but there's a few of them in there now. Uh, we've got David David was in there as well, so Rex Aberdeen. And uh, he he's about forty now, but he could still play second division. Fits a fits a fiddle, that man. Um there's a few crackers in there now. Big uh, I didn't play with him last year with the work-wise, but big Alan Archibald is in there as well now, over 35s. And he's got a body of a 22-year-old, that boy. Um, unbelievable. Um, but these guys, they're loving it there now, playing over 35. It's a great club to be around. That's what I'm saying to anybody who watches us or listens and the type of coach teams they are. These are all really ex-pros as well, really good guys, over 35s. Run guy, a mate of mine called Paul, and he spends... He's been doing it for nearly 10 years now. And um, and he's done a great job getting all these players together every single year. Over 35, 40 odds, get them together to play. And it's enjoyable, but it's very competitive. Uh, all these guys still take it really serious. The boys must have been uh, on uh, Ian Maxwell's case to get some tickets for the for the Euros games, eh? To be honest, I doubt it. Max will put them in their place straight away. To be honest. I think that Sunday wouldn't have turned up anyway for the game. My name is John McHugh, the manager of Shorts Bonacord, and you're listening to Down the Division. Uh, before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Division's decider. Let's have those clues again, Paul. So they were formed in 2013 as part of a merger of two clubs. One of the formed teams won the East of Scotland Football League eight times and finished runner-up on seven occasions. They also won the East of Scotland Qualifying Cup on 10 occasions and they play in red and black. I haven't got a clue, so over to you, uh, James. Boyerig? No. Gala Ferradin Rovers. Oh, you're joking. I've wrote that right next to it. wrote it right next to it. Can't believe it. He's holding that paper up and there's nothing on it. <laughs> Says Del <Dalby. laughs> What were their former names, Paul? Gala Faradin and Gala Rovers. Uh, that? All right. I tell you what, they're another great team in the Lonely Gala Faradin. Really, really good team. I had one more clue in there that they were a Scottish border side. And I thought, nah, that'll give it away. <laughs> too easy. Ah, too easy. It might have helped. Might have helped. James, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us on the show tonight, and uh, all the best, obviously, for the the rest of the season, uh, well, the rest of the season, the start of the season when it comes around, and the the preseason and everything. And um, yeah, we'll we'll maybe get you back on when the season's on. It's uh, when it's when it's all on, and we can find out how things are going. Only for winning. <laughs> Only for winning. If, if, if I'm not, can you lose my number? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, a graphic designer, a videographer or video editor. 
And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. <laughs>